Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Foul Mouth's podcast. We've got the Feminist Bird Club roosting up in our Zoom and they're here to smash patriarchy and do some birding along the way. Founded in 2016 by Molly Adams, the Feminist Bird Club aims to be an inclusive birdwatching club that provides a safe opportunity to connect with the natural world while fundraising to protect the rights of black, indigenous, and people of color, LGBTQIA folks, and women. For this episode, we talked with Vice President of the Feminist Bird Club, Martha Harbison, and the Chapter Network Chair, Carla Naboa. You best put seatbelts on your ears, folks, because we're going to take them for the ride of their lives. Foulmouth Podcast, it's about birds. Martha, Carla, and the fucking Feminist Bird Club, thanks for coming on to Foulmouths. We're fucking stoked to have you guys on. Um... If we say anything stupid, just yell at us. You definitely will. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Shut the it's fuck perfect. Up. It's absolutely, absolutely perfect. <laughs> but thank you for having us on. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're stoked. Um, uh, let's just kick it right off. Then we'll uh, we'll start out with some introductions. Uh, who the hell are you? What makes you tick? Why do you do what you do? Let's let's get into the meat. Okay, Carla, you get to go first. All right. <laughs> okay. So my name is Carla, Carla uh, Naboa. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, originally, I'm from uh, Virginia, but I was say now the I'm accent. Can you hear an accent? <laughs> no, that's the we can't hear no. an accent in it. That's so oh, strange for Boston. So <laughs> I'm glad I don't have an accent for either place. Oh yeah, seriously. Hey now. Um, oh yeah, sorry. but actually, my first language was Spanish. I'm a first generation American, um, oh. so you know, my grandparents tell me that I don't sound like a gringa when I talk in Spanish, and that's honestly my only goal. Well, well welcome to America. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, my name's Carla. I live in Boston. Um, I uh, I've been birding for I don't know eight years, maybe now. Um, and I really got into it because it was a, a form of active meditation. Um, I studied natural resources. I have a degree in natural resources. So I actually took ornithology. And then I worked as a land manager for the Nature Conservancy for a year or two. That's and awesome. um, so I, I liked birds. And I was working on conservation projects in support of um, bird habitats and um, restoration. But I didn't really get super into them until I was living alone in Wisconsin. It was the first time I moved somewhere where I didn't know a single person. And I was just like really lonely. And I didn't know, I couldn't go hiking there because it's very flat. So I just started noticing the birds and then I realized it like really helped my anxiety and I got, then I got really, really into it. Um, so that's basically the, the background of how I got into birding. And now I, I love it and I do it as much as I can. Alone in Wisconsin sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, and you know, I moved there in October. Oh. Worst, oh, gosh. Yeah. But I moved worst there time from ever. Vermont, so I thought I could handle it, but I was wrong. No, like Vermont, there's culture in, in Wisconsin. It's just like cheese and alcoholism. Well, I was going to say, did, was there just like cartloads of cheese? That's that's what no, I would assume, no. just like in a basement eating cheese. <laughs> it was cartloads of beer. And okay. Yeah, that's better. I I We're, and and um the Packers. Yeah, yeah. Which like the only positive about, about Wisconsin person. in my mind is Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they love Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Same. But 
Yeah, I don't I don't really follow sports <laughs> and I don't really binge drink. Um so it just didn't work out for me. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, you're in the Weird. wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome for birds out there, so at least you know you had that. Yes, sure absolutely. is, yeah. Um, what about you, right, Martha? Uh, what you got? Yeah. Yeah, my name is Martha Harbison. I'm the vice president of the Feminist Bird Club. Uh, I actually grew up in California as uh, the child of birders. So I spent a lot of time in the back of a Delta 88 driving around the nice. Central Valley. Oh, wow. Um, nice. Yeah, looking. And my parents weren't the most patient birders. So they were like, waterfowl's fucking awesome. We're going to look at these geese <laughs> and these ducks. Because they don't move really fast and they're big. Nice. So it's like I got a really solid education on marsh <laughs> birds and uh, migratory water birds or waterfowl and uh, avocets and stuff like that um, growing up. Uh, but I stopped. Well, I mean, basically, I went I went through puberty. Uh, and so then birding stopped holding its uh, allure uh, for me for a while. Uh, but when I uh, got when I went to university, uh, I just would notice the birds and I'd be able to identify them. And people were like, whoa, that's, that's your fucking wizard. Yeah. This that's is amazing. Dark magic right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Why exactly. the fuck do you know that? Yeah. So I'm like, whoa. So I became like the person to talk to about birds. And then of course, in my, I was studied biology as one of my, as, as one of my fo- focuses. And um, there were a couple of ornithologists in the department. And so then I would talk with them. Um, and so I basically birded on and off through grad school, uh, but I didn't really get seriously into like uh, the, the basically I, I did it as sort of like this nice hobby to sort of take my mind off of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't really sit down and become like a hardcore birder until I moved to New York City. And I'd been living here for a few years and was feeling extremely disconnected from nature. Mm-hmm. And one day I had this old pair of binoculars and one day I just went out and I was just like looking at sparrows and I was like, whoa, these fuckers are great. Um, I can't, I don't even know what they are because like sparrows are not a thing that I spent a lot of time looking at growing up. Um, but I'm really fascinated and, you know, it turned out one of them was a fox sparrow. Um, oh, wow. And uh, so that was essentially, so then I birded a lot by myself and then very slowly I actually became more acquainted with the New York birding community and then I got a job at and now my life is all birds all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad life. No, it's not. I mean, getting paid. I mean, I could basically say, like, I'm going to be late today because it's spring migration. Oh, man. And nobody's going to, like, they'll be like, yeah, fine, whatever. I feel you. Just get your work done. I have a funny mm-hmm. Delta 88 story. Uh, our family inherited one from my, like, 94-year-old Aunt Jean, who moved into a nursing home out of Manhattan, by the way. She lived Aww. there until she was, like, 94 years old. <laughs> In and, a Delta and, in, a, in, a, in Manhattan, yeah, <laughs> and she, <laughs> holy shit, and she, <laughs> she had a rent-controlled apartment um, somewhere midtown uh, that she was paying three hundred dollars for, and my dad literally moved her out because he he thought she would be murdered for that apartment, and uh, anyway, my my brother was uh, was commanded not to take the car into Philly, and we took the car into Philly to go see uh, Dial M for Murder. And came out from the movie to a pile of broken glass where the car was, and uh, and he had to he had to call home and his way of of like <laughs> his way of uh, wow. of breaking the news was asking my dad what the license plate number was because he needed it for the police report. <laughs> and dad's like, "Why don't you look at the car?" And he's like, "Well, the plates were stolen." 
and uh, <laughs> and I mean that's not wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, oh my, I'm God. not sure a Delta. We had a Delta eighty eight with... too. Oh, sorry, I'm not sure a Delta eighty eight could keep up with warblers. So it's probably best you stuck to like the the mallards and stuff. Yeah, like that. exactly. Tundra with yeah the tundra swan. They're just like they don't move fast. Right. You know the sandhill cranes, things like that. We had a Delta eighty eight growing up too. But we didn't do any wow. birding in it. <laughs> I feel left out. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have okay. one. Classic vehicle. People need to go back in time. Yeah. You really need it's like there's nothing quite like well, it. I think we now have a I think we now have a new club between Martha and, yeah. and Sean and myself. <laughs> and it's like the Delta eighty eight. Yeah, Oldsmobile trauma yeah, club. Yeah, this is like the weirdest <laughs> sub genre of birding groups. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, that thing well, is huge. Delta eighty eighters aside. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> let's get a let's get a history of the bird club. What's the feminist bird club? What, who, what, where, when? All of the things. All of those I'll things. I'll let you take that one. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So the uh, the feminist bird club was started uh, by uh, our friend and colleague uh, Molly Adams in 2016 uh, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, basically, it was during it was it. Uh, it was during the run up to the election and everything was like super hectic and they really just wanted to hang out. Like they really were, they really liked birds, but didn't really know how to share it with people and was looking for like-minded people. They didn't want to like have any more fights about politics, like, and all of that stuff. And so I was like, I just want to find like-minded people to go on walks with me and look at birds and really just enjoy them. And that was essentially how the feminist bird club, was founded um and molly picked the name feminist bird club partially as a filter mm -hmm. because you know it's just like somebody's like i'm not a feminist you're just like well, i don't want to fucking hang out with you right. um this is like <laughs> that's like the lowest bar to clear um when it comes to you know at you know when it came to their values and my values and carla's values it's like you know you Sorry for speaking for you, Carla, but I figure at least like you could buy into that. Um, yes. but, uh, <laughs> but the idea was like, okay, it's like this is sort of ex expressing uh, that we have a very specific uh, um, viewpoint on the world and we have values that uh, are very important to us and that actually uh, molds the way that we think about birding and the way that we uh, approach uh, wildlife and the outdoors and community. Um, and so that's that that's how it started um and it was really word of mouth like i heard about the feminist bird club from my friend and former colleague uh Purbita saha um and i know a lot of other people is the same thing it was just like have you heard of this thing that's happening um and then uh i was believe the new york times wrote about it and that's when everything blew up quite a history and Purbita, hi shout out on the twitter there always tweeting uh yukon alum Oh yeah. <laughs> also a big fan of combos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Carla, how did you get involved? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was living in Wisconsin and I was on Instagram <laughs> a lot. And my friend Jesse just one day randomly shared feminist bird club with me. He found Molly's Instagram cause he was t taking a lot of bird pictures. I thought it was cool. You know, I, I, put it away in my head and then I moved to Boston and 
I went, I tried to go birding at this really amazing spot called Plum Island. It's like one of the best spots in New England. Right. And I was by myself and I went into this bird blind and I was looking around and then suddenly I, I was surrounded by like 15 old white men. Ugh. <laughs> and they were all looking, they were looking at all these yellow legs and like talking to each other and they all had their scopes out and I had like these t- this tiny pair of Bushnell binoculars, the first pair I ever bought. And I, was, I wanted to ask them so badly, like all a thousand questions. And I just couldn't like muster up the courage to ask. And then they were just kind of closing in on me. And I just felt more and more uncomfortable as the time went on. And I like ran out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I was thinking to myself, like, I really want people to bird with that can teach me more stuff. And that are, are like, you know, like more like-minded and maybe look more like me and I feel comfortable around. So then I reached out to Molly on Instagram and I said, hey, do you have chapters of Feminist Bird Club throughout the country? Because I'm super interested in, in being involved and like I'd even be willing to start one in Boston. And she just replied and said, sure, I can help you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I was just completely shocked. She came up like a couple months later to Boston and helped me launch the first um, the first chapter here. And she had connections with this great local sh- um, store that unfortunately is closed now, but they helped host a space. And I, I gave this whole presentation on um, land use history in Boston and how that affected species diversity. And I just like totally nerded mm. out. And there was like 40 people in there that were paying attention mm. to me. And I was just like very shocked. I was just so shocked, so surprised. There was such a demand for it. My first walk was um, we had a limit of 30 people and we had like 50 people RSVP. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So we had, to, we had to turn a bunch of people away. Um, and Molly was there and it was just like the coolest thing ever. I it was I was, you know, I'm kind of speechless about it still. Um, but after that, Mo- you know, Molly came up and helped me. And then after that, it just it just kind of exploded. It took off, I think. This area is, there's so many birders in this area. It's a very like popular spot for birding. So I think already the community is quite large, but um, I have almost like 400 people on my mailing list that are just here. And I'm getting like, I get so many emails and messages and um, I've built up a really great community here. And I get like 15 people at least each time that I host a walk. Um, So it is, it's pretty active, pretty popular. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's fi- yeah. 15 I, average I, is a ton. Yeah. I, I can echo this. Like this, I mean, that happens definitely in Brooklyn. We sell out every single walk. We do like cat most of the walks because we want to make sure that people have a uh, quality experience, um, especially since so many of our, uh, so many people that come to f- every single time I've led a feminist bird club walk or facilitated one, there are at least five people who've never been out birding yeah. before which never happens in, or I mean, it's, it will sometimes happen with other clubs, but this is like a very consistent theme. So people are, there's, there's a lot of hunger for this type of experience for people. Um, and especially if you're willing to be open and meet them where they are, as opposed to expecting them to bring their own binoculars and be willing to, you know, uh, you know, you, you can let them be vulnerable. That's one thing that we're, that I try to, um, that I really try to emphasize when I facilitate or lead walks is like, it's okay to fuck up. 
it's okay to suck at this. In fact, I embrace <laughs> sucking. I, I embrace sucking at burning every goddamn day. Cause I'm like, I'm going to make a bad, I was like, I'm going to misidentify things. It's okay to be wrong. Uh, and I think that people are taught and they see these birders and you know, they're spouting off names and they look like super authoritative. Like I've seen like experts like completely with, uh, IDs as well, but for the new birder, they don't know mm -hmm. that. It just looks like a bunch of people's got this like mystic knowledge um, that is like dropping it down, you know, like here, have some knowledge, have some knowledge. Um, and that's not very inviting. So, you know, I think that, you know, be, with the Feminist Bird Club, what we really try to do is build the space where it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you say sell out, do you mean like there's been like, it's max capacity of what you wanted to have, um, or do you actually um, sell like spots? Yeah, so it's actually depends. So we we try not to have like we go by donation. Yeah. Uh, some walks are just you just sign up because we're just we're concerned about capacity issues, especially if we're going to an area that's active like in active restoration or active management, and you can only have a certain number of people right. there. Um, but if we are, number one, we try, we, we pay our walk leaders. Uh, so those aren't volunteers. Like we're actually paying them for their expertise what? and their time. Um, Seriously? And Holy shit. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's like it's an honorarium. So it's like, but yes, we do that. Um, and it's like, we're, and if we're doing something like we got a behind the scenes tour of the ornithological specimen collection of the American Museum of Natural right. History mm -hmm. with Paul Sweet or went to the Wild Bird Fund, which is the local uh, wildlife rehabber in New York City. And so we ask for a sliding scale of donation for those because then we just donate the money to the, it's not for us, it's, it's, we donate it to the organization right. that has uh, opened their doors to us. Um, yeah, and um, so here, yeah. In, here in Boston, I, um, I single-handedly run this club just entirely on my own and I lead all of our walks. Um, so I, I just put a cap on it because I want everyone to have a good experience. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to not be able to hear me or, um, you know, yeah. if there's too many people there. So I generally will cap it just for that reason. Um, and there are some places that do have group limits as well. Um, but the thing that I find like super interesting actually about like that cap is that I have a number of, um, white male friends who, who like to come birding on these walks and they will like message me when I post a walk and they'll say, hey, let me know if this doesn't fill up and I'll come. But if it fills up, I don't want to take a spot from someone else who like deserves it more than I do. And I think that's very interesting and, and kind of cool and like the whole point, you know, of the club. Um, so that's, that's something that happens with me here in Boston. I don't know if that happens in New York, but it does happen here in Boston and I do appreciate it. That's like so anti-New England. I know, yeah. <laughs> the most anti-New England thing I've ever heard. I love that. <laughs> every time, it's so nice every time I'm like, oh, just come anyways. Like, even if we get 25 people, like, and you're the 26th, like, just, just I love, like, I love that you asked this question. It's fine. Just come. Yeah, I think every walk I've done, there's always been a couple that just kind of show up anyway. And I'm like, you know what? It's fine. As long as we're not going into an enclosed area, that's you know, because there's usually at least one or two other people that can actually co-lead the walk with me. Be like, okay, well, we'll just split up and you get 10 and I get 10. Um, but Carla, that's awesome. I actually didn't know about 
that um, and people actually saying like, I am happy to see your spot because sometimes we have to be a little aggressive with but you guys have to say like, do you really need to come on this walk? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's just so respectful. And I think it, it's, I, it makes me feel really grateful of this like community and this message that we are fostering. And I think it's really coming across well and that people are really respecting it. Um, and that, that makes that I'm very pleased with that. I think that's a very good sign. Going off of that, um, you know, I think you guys have already listed a lot of ways that the Feminist Bird Club is different than other bird clubs, but I'm really interested in um, in your personal um, experience of, like, what what feels different about the Feminist Bird Club to you and, and what it means to you guys. Um, well, I think kind of jumping off what Martha was saying earlier, every walk, when I start a walk, every walk... I stand there and the first thing I say is, hey, I run this club, but I consider myself an amateur birder and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to ID everything. This is going to be a group effort. We're going to try this together. And, you know, this is just, there's no pressure. If we don't know, we don't know, but we're all going to try to figure it out. And that's kind of what I, what I get the most out of the club is that community that's just like willing to fuck up and willing to not know what's going on but also tries really hard to, to figure it out. Um, you know, I studied ornithology, but I have a horrible memory and I just, I can't remember anything. And going out to the club and being with people that are excited about something and that they're learning something new and we're all learning it together. I think that's just a really beautiful thing. And it makes me so happy and it makes me feel comfortable not knowing things and admitting that I don't know things. And it gives me hope that people will feel comfortable trying to like create these spaces even if they don't feel like they're an expert because you don't have to be an expert you just have to try um and that that's what i really get out of running this club and being a part of this club is is that community of people that are just like thirsty for knowledge and they just want to go out there and enjoy the time and enjoy nature yeah just like opening up just like i just want to love something like, yeah, there's like, there's some aspect of puzzle solving and whatever, but it's really just like, I just want to go out and enjoy the day, the life, the moment, and a lot of birds, um, sometimes who are extremely frustrating to identify, mm-hmm. especially when it's MPID season. You're like, ah, I, fuck you, MPIDs. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate hearing you talk about creating a space where it's okay to just not have to pretend to know everything about birds, um, especially getting the new people on these walks that you talked about. I mean, I every every time I'm out, right? And and you could put me in that group of like you know old white guys, and I probably wouldn't stick out too much. And I still feel awkward. I still feel like uh, I just I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to point out something. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what that is, um, but it's tough. Cause like in, in so many of these situations, y- y- there's always somebody there, right. Who's like an expert or somebody who like literally wrote the book on, and I won't complete that sentence, you know? And it's just like, it, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it's, it's like, you want to learn, but it's, it's so tough because it's like you just don't feel like you have the freedom to ask the questions that you want to ask. And I don't know if that's 
if that's just me or not. I don't know, Heather, do you have this kind oh, of feeling? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that was like my first real experience was, was go- like, um, so when I, I read Carla's um, tweet uh, earlier, I don't know if it was today if it was today or this week about people not believing you when you called out the brothonotary. Um, yeah. Like I, I always feel real. I don't like to call out what I see around people, especially here. And I, and I don't know if it, if it's a, it's because we're in an Ivy league, um, you know, town like that, like, I don't know. Like half these people aren't even affiliated with Yale. I don't know. I don't know if that's. I don't know if it's a common experience, but it it feels well, like Car- Carla is too. It's definitely a <laughs> yeah. very yeah yeah. It's a co- yeah. It's a very common experience um, with a lot of birders. Actually, I think that uh, you know whether it's our societal expectation that we have to be perfect all the time, um, and so this is like a pervasive systemic problem, or if there. But I think that's also compounded by the competitiveness. Um, of a lot of birding spaces. Uh, so you're just like, I just don't want to fucking engage with that because it's not fun. Some people find it fun and that's great. I don't find competition at all. I have to be like tooth and nail competitive in my professional life. I don't want to do that on my spare time. So I was like, I'm definitely not taking that to birding. Um, even though I participate in the World Series of Birding and stuff like that. But for me, it's like, it's very, it's a, for a very different goal. Um, so yeah, I would say that this is a, that's a very common experience. Um, I will say that some of the legitimate experts or that I've met in my life, uh, that are birders, they are the most, some of the most generous people. So don't be afraid of them. Uh, it's very hard to sometimes if you're in a birding situation, um, people are going to crowd around them and it's very hard to get a word in edgewise, but if you have the ability to like go out birding with some of, you know, these people who wrote books and it's not at McGee Marsh during the biggest week or some other shit like that, you're going to find that they are eager to share their knowledge and extremely generous and understanding that, you know, that not all of us are experts or experts at ear birding. Um, and so I, I've learned a ton from hanging out with some of these. I've, I just got very lucky to be able to hang out with or meet some of these people, but they've been great. Uh, it's like the middle, they're like the middle managers of the bird world are yeah, the biggest. Dicks. No, it's true because, oh man, yeah. because, <laughs> because I had, I had one experience um, in our local patch where um, like a bunch of dudes, you know, were like, what did you, have you seen? And I, I, you know, labeled, some of the birds that I had seen, which were warblers, but nothing like, you know, stupendous. And they were just like, Ugh. and then I, I turned a corner and I started talking with these people and they were really supportive and interested, even with, you know, my not amazing warblers. And then I I got to talking to them and they were actually, um, one was like Richard Prum, who leads the ornithology department at Yale and and some of the other ornithologists at Yale and I was like oh <laughs> you know um like the real people that actually do this for a living and they were the most kind yeah just like just enthusiastic they they love birds they're like yeah and they love it when other people love birds it's like this is yeah. fucking great all warblers are good warblers right. I know yep that's how I feel yeah, exactly or not even that, but it's like, so there's this one uh, very well-known bird guy named Alvaro Jaramillo. He lives in California. Um, and uh, he's like, 
he was actually he he recounted a time when he was guiding somewhere because that's that's what his that's what his day job is. He's a guide. Um, he was guiding some birders, and he said like, "And here's an American robin." And one of the birds is like, I don't need to look at that. I've seen an American robin. He's like, but you've not seen this American robin. And, <laughs> but Alvaro is the type of person that will look into a field of 10,000 branch and find the one like dark bellied branch that like got lost somewhere over Russia and ended up in <laughs> Jamaica Bay. So it's because he looks at right. every bird. Like the differences of individuals mm -hmm. is what drives part of his, it, it, drives him and but also drives his abilities and i think that like being able to you know so yeah some like there's no such thing as a boring warbler they're all awesome every bird is awesome i agree um one thing i wanted to get back to when you're asking before we like move on was like asking how the feminist bird club is different um i just wanted to like touch a little bit on sort of I, the way that i sort of think about it is basically like i guess we're different for two reasons or two a twofold path um the first is that we everything that we do and all the decisions we make is looked at through a social social justice lens so when we were printing t-shirts we used uh recycled t-shirts because we didn't want to add to the waste stream you know that type of thing um and when you make that when you look at social justice and you consider climate justice and environmental justice and all these other justice issues um, and then try and interact with the natural world, it will affect how you, how you act, including among other things, like making sure that you have a diverse cadre of bird guides for your bird outings, and then you pay them. So you're not making, you know, queer people and people of color. It's like us, like paying them an exposure, like who the fuck needs that, right? Um, so that's <laughs> like, so one of the reasons why we pay them is because this is a justice issue. We are using it, it's like we are benefiting from their expertise. And uh, so that's, that's, that's a fair trade. Uh, the other thing is that we very specifically try to make our uh, club uh, inclusive and affirming to people of color and LGBTQIA individuals. And that also affects our decision-making processes because you can't just say like, oh, bird is like, everybody's welcome. We want everybody to show up. And of course, when you do that, you get like all white people um, and mostly older white people. So if you want people of color to show up, you have to like engage with that community, uh, talk to them, like show them good faith that you are going to do the labor to make sure that your space is inclusive for them and then maybe they'll show up. And we found that that is actually, actually what happens is that when you really are mindful about like, these are, these are the people absent from the room right now when you look at the community, it's like, well, how do we, how do we make space for, for some of the people that are missing um, and then go out and do that and do that work? Um, and so it's like right now we've got those two focus, you know, groups. Uh, I think that there's great opportunity uh, to work with um, uh, people that have uh, physical disabilities. Um, there's almost no inclusion when it comes to uh, doing like birding with, you know, people that have mobility impairment, for example. Um, even just calling them walks is 
can't exclude them. Uh, so that's like something that we were working on. But anyway, that's how I see the Feminist Bird Club is different from many of the other bird clubs that I'm either in or interact with. There is one other very distinct piece that differentiates us from other bird clubs, which is the fundraising piece. Um, so every year we actually, we release a patch and we fundraise for different social justice causes. Um, this, so every year is a different um, cause and it, it kind of depends on what is going on right now politically and what might need the most support. So this year uh, we have released our patch. It's a pileated woodpecker. It looks amazing. Um, it looks so good. It was illustrated by Bird Collective's Angie Co. And you can buy it on Bird Collective's website. And all the funds will be split and donated to TGI Justice Project and Make the Road New York. Um, so that is a really important aspect of the club to us. And we have been able to donate um, a lot of money. I think last year we raised around $10,000. Is that correct, Martha? I can't. Yeah, that sounds around. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, people collect them. We make one every year. So they're kind of limited edition. Um, they're really cool. And it's one of, I think, the coolest things that we do for, for the community. Um, so that's another way that we are a little different from your average bird club. Yeah. I'm really excited. Um, we made the decision about uh, supporting TGI Justice and Make the Road NY uh, a couple of months ago, and then COVID hit. Um, and as it turns out, Make the Road NY is one of the one of the main um, nonprofits that's working in Queens uh, with the communities that are hardest hit by the virus. Um, and they've shown up a lot in a lot of uh, news media. Um, so we totally didn't. We didn't know that we we're going to have a pandemic this year, uh, but it's been amazing to actually see this. Like, yeah, we're that our money when we finally like you know are finished with patch sales is going to be supporting something that like made a very specific um, and tangible difference in our community during a time that it's been really really tough to live in New York City. I love everything that you say every i just want to hug everybody i wish that this fucking virus wasn't around because i want to find you and hug you i feel so like i'm just a fucking white dude but i feel so much better that the feminist bird club exists it like it just i hope the whole fucking bird world is listening and takes fucking notes because it's pretty pathetic like what what happens in a lot of situations social situations with birding and it, i'm so happy that there are people that are doing something about that. So thank you. I'm going to hug you when I see you. I hope that's okay. <laughs> that's totally fine. I may like, I need to put myself in the bubble first uh -huh. and then we can do a socially it's distanced. It's fine. You usually plastic. have, yeah, you usually have to spray Sean down with Lysol first anyways. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen his pictures lately? He looks like a wild woodsman. Yeah. I, I'm about to actually post yeah. his to Instagram cause he sent it and I'm like so scared cause it's pretty it. gnarly. He combs the ticks out of that beard every night, though. I'm feeling it's extra I'm feeling protein. Yeah, it's a little rougher on the edges right now. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> it's got the COVID beard happening. Um, the COVID beard is a real thing. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. Um, so you y'all do these bird walks. It's we've learned about them and they're they sound fantastic. I hope that more folks are going to get involved with this kind of thing. Um, what else does the bird club do? What else does feminist bird club do besides bird walks? Because 
I mean, social justice, all of this stuff aside, you, there has to be like other stuff, fun things. Like, what else are you guys getting involved with? Besides so dunk on white guys. <laughs> <laughs> Carla, I'm gonna let you answer that. And so I don't like dig, I dig myself just, a gigantic fucking hole. <laughs> I'm gonna fade away from that one and laugh. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna put like a huge sound effect right in there, like in the, <laughs> in, the, in the middle of in the middle of the of like Sean laughing in the silence. I'm just gonna put like an explosion. <laughs> what else are you guys getting involved with? Besides so dunk on white guys. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. So let me answer that question. <laughs> so, um, the so the interesting thing about Feminist Bird Club, we have ten chapters that are around the U.S. and internationally in the Netherlands and Toronto, and each chapter kind of hosts events that are appropriate for where they live. Um, and that's one of my favorite things about just being on the board of directors and kind of helping with some of that. Um, decision making is people have such awesome ideas in other states and they're just doing them. Um, so here in Boston, one thing that I have done specifically is just bird trivia. Um, so there's a local brewery here that was that's kind enough to let me host trivia there and they do a match of sales and I raise money for a local organization. Um, so for example, here in Boston, there was an abortion clinic that was losing funding and was going to close. Um, and so I did a trivia night and it sold out and I raised almost um, $800 for the clinic. So those are, that's like a good example of why other chapters go ahead and do their own activities outside of bird walks. Um, in Chicago, they've done a bird bingo event where everyone gets together and um, drinks and plays bird bingo, which is super fun. Um, and I know in New York, there was a, um, Martha, you can probably speak better to this, but I know there was an event in New York where, um, it was a kind of like a social gathering where people could just get together and get to know each other and chit chat outside of just being outside birding where you're probably more focused on something else. Um, and a lot of birdathons also happen, which is not something different than a bird walk, but it's a little bit different than just a, a normal bird walk. Um, and since COVID has happened, we've kind of had this influx of social media activity. So we have um, the chapter leader in San Francisco in the Bay Area, Alex, has done some really incredible live stream, uh, bird feeder live streams on Instagram. She has feeders in her yard and she gets incredible birds at her feeder. I don't know what she's doing, but it's amazing. Um, and then she partnered with a lodge in Costa Rica to do a live stream of a feeder in Costa Rica, which is also awesome. And then um, some of our chapter leaders in Chicago actually created a tutorial on how to make your own bird feeder out of items you could just find in your yard and in your fridge. Um, and then we had a chapter member in New York who made a um, how to make your own suet tutorial. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on right now virtually, which I think it's cool how everyone has come together with their own ideas and just like run with them. Um, and we're creating some really cool content that I think is keeping people engaged online. Um, and 
and and you know there's a lot of there's just so many things that people are doing so many really fucking cool things that people are doing um so those are some examples of things other than walks and i know we also partner a lot of people partner with other places like i partner with the arnold arboretum here as i'm a nest watch volunteer so I do a lot of stuff with their nesting birds there, but um, they let me do things for them that I can put the Feminist Bird Club name on. So it's this really awesome way that I can partner with the Arnold Arboretum and also provide resources and content for um, for different, you know, for people online. Um, so if anyone's interested, this coming Wednesday, I'm going to be live streaming my nest check Aww. and I have chickadee eggs in there. Nice. Now. So that'll be on Zoom. Um, but yeah, lots of different ways, and it's really cool to see um, all the creativity. So the real question is, what is the best bird club, and why is it the feminist bird club? That's basically this. <laughs> we're going <laughs> meme, meme, meme culture. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I got time. You got time? <laughs> um, <laughs> um I was just going to say, it's like some of the, it's been really helpful for me. I, so I live in New York City uh, in an apartment on the second floor in a formerly redlined uh, neighborhood that was deeply uh, neglected uh, for a very long time. Uh, so we don't have shit like trees. We have very few trees um, and very little access to any type of green space that isn't crazy crowded on the days when it's, you know, nice outside so actually being able to watch the feminist bird club instagram feed and see all the photos come in uh has been a lifeline for me uh i mean i've been birding the shit out of my windows and i've been getting all kinds of species and my ear birding is getting real good now um <laughs> but it is like my experience of of the pandemic and birding is very different i think from a lot of people's who don't live uh in you know in ground zero um i've been outside three times since mid-march i birded yeah. every single time <laughs> but i wasn't birding one was like i had it's like i gotta go to cbs uh. and buy deodorant and on the way back i like walked by i heard the squeak squeak and it was a downy woodpecker i'm like fuck yeah new new pandemic lifer um <laughs> like flying over my head and the other was like we did a big like grocery run uh, in Queens, and uh, we had to drive by this little inlet. And I'm like, oh yes, double crested cormorants. I haven't seen one of those in two and a half months. So it was amazing. But uh, yeah, so basically, digital birding is what I've been doing for a while. Can you tell me a little bit more about birding from your window? Because we mentioned that on the last episode, and I think it was Jeffrey that was talking about um, sort of window birding. Can you just like what what how <laughs> what's that what's happening yes yeah so it's i mean it's actually really cool um so it's it's a it's a combination number one when the when the weather is even remotely nice i'll have the window or actually have a sliding door that goes to a fake ass balcony that's not really a balcony but anyway so i can but i can hang out of it and uh, i don't know whale um but uh, I'll keep one of those open. And that's when I was like saying about like ear birding because all of a sudden I started noticing, I'm like, that's his starling. That's a, uh, you know, that's a house. That's a house sparrow that I'm like, huh, there's a, I haven't seen a cardinal in a long time, but I can hear a male going pew, pew, pew. It's like, and then I can hear the American Robin. And then I found, I basically, when the laughing goals started coming back, I could hear them. I finally saw them. 
Uh, but it's like, but I heard them first. And it's just like sound wafting in from outside, herring gulls, uh, chimney swifts. Um, uh, I was actually doing a, an interview with a J school student, um, the onverting in the pandemic. And I like looked out the window, just like idly chit-chatting. And I was like, no fucking shit. That's my, like, my pandemic life for tree swallow. <laughs> that just like flew across, flew in front of the window. Um, so it's really, um, I don't, I'm not pasted to the window, um, but I do like look out uh, pretty often just to get a break from like sitting in front of my computer all the time. Um, but it's really, it's partially opportunistic, but it's also um, partially uh, deep nuance, being very aware of your surroundings and when they change. Um, the audio, yeah. the, uh, the audio I'll experience. Yeah, that. so if you want to go a little bit farther with that, Carla. Yeah, I just want to tell a funny story about this morning when I was in a Zoom meeting at work in my sunroom, which is just all windows, and I had the windows open, and I started hearing what sounded like a cedar waxwing, and I freaked out because cedar waxwings are basically my favorite bird, and I, I turned off my Zoom video, and I muted myself, and I ran and got my binoculars, and then I just kind of stood there trying to find the waxwings, um, until I realized people were trying to talk to me and then I had to, you know, put my video back on, but that's what it's like for me to window yes. bird. <laughs> oh, I've definitely done that. I'm like, uh, I mean, so offices are up on the seventh floor and we have these big like windows and it's like, there's just been times when we're all in a meeting and everyone just shuts up because there's like a hawk circling out over like Washington square park. And I'm like, be quiet for just a second. I got to watch and figure out if this is a Cooper's hawk. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody will bother you. They're like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, so this is uh, window birding is 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 glorious fun. But yeah, it really does like it does require a lot of attention to detail. What's your best window bird so far? Ooh, uh, <laughs> for the pandemic, probably that. Um, uh, probably those tree swallows because I actually hadn't seen them in this neighborhood before, so that was actually kind of a surprise. But Way many many years ago, um, bef I the lot across the street used to have um, a legitimate drug house in it. You know, a dilapidated house where people would uh, go shoot up. And it was one, and there was a really scraggly tree in the front yard. And I was like in my pajamas. It was like eight o'clock in the morning, and I'm just kind of like blearily looking out the window, drinking my coffee. And I'm like, wait, there's something on the fucking trunk of that tree. So I'm like in my like jammies and underwear and standing in front of my plate glass windows and staring out <laughs> into the drug house with my kids. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a brown creeper. Yay. Uh, and I'm like, oh my God, they're going to probably not in your underwear. A Martha creeper. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever happened. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, yeah, I was being a creeper. Uh, but anyway, so that was probably my, that's probably my best window bird um, of, of this apartment yeah i live um next to a hospital where i believe there are red-tailed hawks nesting and nearly every day there are these three red-tailed hawks that are just always soaring above my house and i see them like from various angles of where i am and they're always getting like badgered by a crow and i just find it really entertaining to watch are you by a park that's by a hospital um well boston's really green yeah true um so i live kind of close to the river okay yeah and there's tons of trees so our friends just are just moving away from you um they are 
near the hospital um, that's by the river. Um, I don't want to get too detailed because privacy, but there's a few hospitals by yeah, the river. Yeah, but it's just funny because it's like um, <laughs> because they always are sending us pictures of birds or asking us like what different birds are um, because we're the designated bird friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and bird it's, friends. And I've been amazed at the the diversity. I mean. I mean, you hear about it all the time in New York City, but you don't really hear about the diversity of um, inner Boston with birds as well. Yeah, there is a um, incredible, absolutely incredible birding spot here called Mount Auburn Cemetery. Oh, yeah. It is the best place I've ever gone birding in my entire life. And well, I've gone birding in Ecuador. That was pretty good. But this is like really good. <laughs> um <laughs> It's for you know it's right in the middle of the city and it's like this quiet sanctuary with and it's it's massive for being where it is and it's it is a cemetery but it's also I think you know technically it's an arboretum because of how many trees and the tree diversity there but um it's beautifully gardened and maintained and the species diversity there is out of this world it's like I can't even begin to describe it but I go there all the time, and it's right now actually during spring migration, it's like absolutely popping. Um, and people, I don't think people know about it that unless you live here, if you come here and you want to go birding, that is like not a place that I think you would necessarily hear about. Nice, good word. Well, hopefully it gets a little bit more action, but maybe not too much more. Yeah, I think it is a pretty well known spot, but anyone yeah. that comes to visit, I always tell them about it, and they're like, oh. Um, and that's where I thought I saw the Prothonotory Warbler last year. Um, last year, I was leading a walk at the cemetery, and I, we found a warbler, and I didn't know what it was. I, I couldn't even, like, begin to guess what it was. And I, we were, all of us were looking. There was, like, ten of us looking in the guide, looking at the bird. We got a perfect picture of it. We were just trying to figure it out, and we must have spent, like, half an hour just trying to collectively decide what we thought it might be. And then we landed on Prothonotory Warbler. And then we were walking away and this guy's walking up the ridge and he's like, oh, have you seen anything? And I mentioned, well, we thought maybe we saw a Prothonotory Warbler. Like, we're not sure, but, you know, we all kind of think it could be that. And he was like, oh, no, no way. And I was just like, well, you know, I don't know for sure, but like we all we all looked at the guides and like we came to this collective decision and he was like, that's impossible. And I was just like, actually, you know, it, th- and then I started describing like the, <laughs> the, how the bird looked. And he was like, huh, well, I, I guess it kind of sounds like it, but no, I just, I don't think so. And I was like, okay. And he's like, where was it? And I was like, oh, over there. And he was like, I'm going to go look. And I was just <laughs> like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I was just, I got so ticked off. And, you know, I ended up, I submitted my eBird report. report it was not a prothonotory warbler, but the the thing that like got to me is that I never I never went up to him and was like we absolutely saw a prothonotory warbler. I was just like this is what I think we saw, and he was so dismissive, wouldn't like listen at all or try to like talk me through it at all. He was just like being an asshole, and the people who were with me were just like kind of baffled by that interaction, and I just let it go. I was just like whatever. But then yesterday I was uh, at home and I don't, I'm not really like a, what's the word? A twitcher? 
Yeah. Is that the, yeah. And especially not these days. I don't really go anywhere to go birding, but um, I, someone posted on the, on the bird listserv that I'm on that there was a prothonotory warbler in my neighborhood. So I was like, I'm going, I'm finding this fucking prothonotory warbler. <laughs> I ran over there with my roommate and uh, we're like, can we get there? And all of a sudden there's like six birders already standing around. So I'm like looking around and then there's this guy there who's playing the calls and the songs like really loud on his phone. And I'm starting to get really ticked off and I don't know what to do. I'm, I like want to call him out on it, but I also just feel weird. So I, I kind of just walk away and I'm like, hey, Simone, like, let's go this way. I don't really want to be here right now. And so I start walking away and then I start hearing it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's the warbler. And the guy at this point, the guy was not playing the sound on his phone anymore. And everyone's kind of like starting to stir. And they're like, oh, my God, did you hear that? And this guy, I like we're looking at it. We're looking for it. And then both me and my roommate see a, a yellow bird like sprint from one tree to like way far away from us. And I had my eye on it. I was pointing at it and I was like, oh my God, what, like, what was that? Like, I think that was it. And this guy was with us and he was like, no, did you see something? And we were like, yeah, we just, we just saw it. And he was like, I don't think so. <laughs> and we were, we were just like, well, like both of us literally just saw this happen. <laughs> And you were standing right there. And he was like, well, you know, that guy over there said that he hasn't seen it yet. And, you know, I, he, he knows what he's talking about. And the guy who oh. he was referencing was around the corner, out of our view, like wouldn't have seen <laughs> what we were looking at. And he was like, I trust that guy. He, you know, he's been here for a while. He's, he knows what he's talking about. And I was just like, fuck you. And I just walked away. I was not interested anymore in trying to look for the bird. And when I was walking home with my roommate, she was like, hey, you know, that guy, he, he said he trusted that other guy over you. Is that like, is that really what it's like when you go out birding? Like, is this what it's like? And I was like, yeah, I didn't even register that that scenario happened because I'm just so used to it happening. And she was just kind of like boggled. She was like, that was crazy. Like, what an asshole. And then I got really fired up. Um. So that that is the story of the tweet, and the tweet is <laughs> blowing up now with sto other women's stories of people being assholes. Yeah, no, that that was like just so typical because I hear that all the time. Oh, well, he knows what he's talking about, or like I trust that guy, you know, or like I'll say that I've seen. Oh, like one year, I I saw a magnolia, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was a magnolia, but I mean, I like literally was two years into birding, so I didn't really feel. Uh, you know, very confident at that point. And they're like, well, was it like this? Was it like that? And I'm like, you know, and I described it in detail. And I'm like, I've looked at, at eBird um, or Merlin. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, I saw the markings and they're, they're just like, I don't know, you know, we haven't heard it here. And, you know, if we haven't heard it sort of trailing off, I'm like, okay, well, fuck off i feel like we need to print out some stickers called that just have like birding dick on them and then what we do is when that happens you just take a sticker out and you just fucking pat it right onto their chest and you just That's walk genius. away it's like i, I think yeah. yeah i think you need this sticker right right onto that, that birding like vest. stop him 
Yes. Yeah. This is exactly it. <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a series of like uh Russian social justice like <laughs> parking videos where uh apparently like crazy illegal driving and parking happens all the time all over Russia. So these people form this group and they just go around and they try to get people to just not double park or park in um, or keep pedestrian not not driving pedestrian yeah not driving pedestrian walkways yeah all this stuff and if they don't comply they just put a giant sticker over the windshield that doesn't peel off (laughs) and (laughs) it basically says like i'm an asshole yeah it basically says i'm an (laughs) asshole in russian (laughs) um so yeah that's where he got he got that inspiration um yeah those stories are just so common and and just always I mean, even Scott experiences it even as a white male, right? Like you, you saw those photographers and you saw the bay breasted and you walked by. And yeah, it was, was really like, funny. He was just like, oh, a bay breasted. And they just stared at him. Like it was literally, it was literally over their head. It was literally four feet over their head. And, <laughs> and it's funny because like, I mean, there have been good sightings of it, like, you know, for the past couple of days. So maybe they were just bored of it. Like they'd gotten all their shots. <laughs> but they're just like walking under this bay breasted and like if there's a bay breasted four feet over my head I want to know right and I was just like I just looked you know quickly through the scopes and I'm like oh bay breasted yeah and they're like one of them just turned around and looked at me as they kept on walking I'm like okay I mean whatever like bye uh, cool <laughs> they get very offended hold on I have a sticker for you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think if you're like if you look even as like a white dude if you look like you're under the age of of like 40, you're just going to get shit on unless you're wearing an Audubon jacket or something like that. Yeah, you got to wear that or tan like, vest, right? The it's tan vest. Tan, it's all about like the a, tan vest. The the McGee Marsh gold uh the be, the biggest week gold cap or something like that otherwise in or or like a ninety thousand dollar camera rig hanging from your shoulder otherwise like the the old the old white guard the guard that is the old white guys they're just like they just shit on you they like walk away i like it's frustrating to me i i can't even imagine what it's like to be anybody else that's just you know, this is probably the only point in my life where I get any like doubt because I'm a fucking white dude. So like that little bit is so infuriating. I, I just can't fucking even imagine what it's like for anybody else. Oh, so. Try working in technology. Him and his bird clubs. Try fucking working doing in technology, it. Sean. It is yeah. a treat. <laughs> no, I don't want to. I'm. It I, is a treat. I'm. I'm good. I. <laughs> I work in a really niche market. Nobody bothers me. Nobody has to see me. It's perfect. So, so. The, there was one sort of last minute um, question that I added to the questionnaire, um, just sort of while we're we're on this theme a little bit. And that was, you know, I agree with Sean. Hugs are warranted. Um, I love everything that you're saying. I wonder, um, because we've, we've talked about the bird community and um it it's not completely monolithic um and martha pointed that out earlier so you know i don't know we we've been called out for sort of shitting on old white people a lot but oh yeah the, um, old, the old white people the don't old white like people it showed up to tell us we shouldn't people. shit on them oh they yeah. really don't like that <laughs> 
<laughs> we got called yeah. ages. <laughs> um, which, you know, I mean, okay, fair. Uh, we could be a little bit more circumspect probably. But I, I was wondering if you could tell us about backlash from the birding community and or support from the birding community. And maybe, um, Martha, we could start with you. Yeah, um, I, as I posted, is like a little from column A and a little from column B. Um, I would say that overwhelming reactions so far, um, at least that, that I've experienced, has been positive and supportive. Um, I think a lot of people realize that uh, birding can be, or at least can look fairly mono, uh, monocultural, monolithic um, from the outside. And I think a lot of people are, are very interested in and um, really want to make birding, uh, the birding community more diverse and more inclusive um, as a, in theory. Um, and I think that that is, it's reflective of, you know, basically lots of people are like, I'm not racist or I don't, you know, it's like, yeah, everyone should like come in for the big kumbaya. But when you actually start interrogating like what that actually looks like, that's when you start getting a little bit of people getting uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, in general, people are like, this is awesome. What you guys do is great. But then when we talk about like, okay, well, this is what it takes in order to engage, uh, you know, these particular, um, these, these particular communities, um, we've had people be like, we've had people like be really uncool with us, uh, supporting black lives matter, for example. Mm. Like some of our choices for support, they're just like, I don't know, that's just like the bridge too far. So that's where you start bumping up against, <laughs> sorry. you know, it's like, yeah, but it's like, that's where you start bumping up against people's discomfort. Oh and that's God. where you start seeing backlash. Or there was a situation um, that I personally witnessed and experienced um, where there was uh, somebody who was like, I'm okay with all that gender stuff, um, but gender being like cisgender women, it was okay that we were like extremely inclusive of cisgender women, but like all that other stuff, I don't know, a bunch of snowflakes. So it's just like, you know, the fact that, you know, we were like, that we very deliberately make our, our walks and our, you know, our experiences mm. like inclusive to transgender people, or people of color or gender nonconforming or any of that, like, or even just queer people. It's like, that's the, you know, we are no longer like, you know, expanding horizons. We are coddling snowflakes. Um, and so that's where you see a little bit of the backlash. I mean, then of course you just get like online grief or dipshits. They're like, ah, you just want to like, you hate men or you hate old people. You hate white people. It's just like, I don't hate any of them. You know, it's like, I, I, I might hate you because you're an asshole. Yeah, right. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to even say hate. I was like, I just dislike you because you're just, you're not, a, you're not a delight. You're definitely not a delight to interact with. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that, that I would say that it's like the, the, the support and the frustration is in, is in stages and sort of reflects, I'd say like general societal comfort with what diversity and inclusion looks like in their heads versus what it looks like in practice. Yeah, I would, you know, I would echo all of what Martha said. And here in Boston, I don't see, I don't really see any kind of pushback. I think any negative experiences that I've had or negative interactions have been online. Um, Shocking. Here in Boston, I just see unwavering support. It's everyone I meet is like, whoa, that's such a cool idea. And there's people that want, want to help me and they want me to get involved with what they're doing so that they can support the Feminist Bird Club. And I think that 
it's, you know, that's so awesome. And I have friends who don't bird and they like want to buy my t-shirts because they want to support what, what we're doing. And, um, it, sometimes I want to cry, honestly, like sometimes I get really emotional with the amount of support that exists here. Um, I think the only experience that I've had where I was maybe nervous about it was once leading a walk at this little park in Boston. There was this guy there who was very obviously a regular birder in that area. And he came upon our group and he was like, seemed a little skeptical or not really sure what we were up to. And he was kind of lingering like in the background. And then I just went up to him and I was like, Hey, have you seen anything? And he was like, Oh, well I saw this. Like, can I show you ladies? And I didn't love that he call, was calling us <laughs> ladies, but I also didn't want to like call him out on that at the right. same time because I could tell he was interested in like what we were doing and like kind of wanted to be involved with what we were doing, but didn't know how to interact with us, which again is like, you know, our purpose is to make it a welcoming space. So he kind of just, he started showing us all this stuff and he, he knew so many things. He was so knowledgeable. He had been birding there for years he, he got really excited about showing us all this stuff. And then he ended up just tagging along for the entire walk. And at the end of it, there was like four of us kind of lingering around and he was with us. And he was like, finally at the end, he was like, so ladies, like what, what is your group? <laughs> and I tell him about the group and he's like, huh, that's nice. Well, have a great day. And then he just like ran away. <laughs> like Boston birdie ladies auxiliary. After this, we're going to be knitting doilies. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh God, so awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can totally just see that. Um, uh, quickly, I, I want to make sure that we get this question in because I'm curious. Is how can someone start a chapter? Are you guys open to new chapters, or what's going on with that? Yeah. So we are we are very open to people contacting us if they're interested in starting new chapters. We actually are officially a nonprofit, and what yeah very sweet but what that means is we have a lot of stuff to figure out um so currently at this exact moment we are just ironing out some details so that we can start accepting new chapters um we definitely want to hear about your interests if if you know someone's interested in starting one where they live um but it is going to just take a little bit of time for us to get all of our ducks in a row what kind of ducks though <laughs> well, you know, sea ducks, all kinds of sea ducks. Eiders, all eiders. Is there any, um, is there any like help needed from the outside world? Like, can people offer services to help you, like the club, like iron these things out? I mean, I can't help, but maybe we have listeners that could offer some like support. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, we have like, <laughs> yes, we'll take any help, um, or at least like we'll be willing to talk about it. Um, as far as uh, support is concerned, we actually do have, um, we do have, uh, uh, we're working with some lawyers at a law clinic, because as it turns out, becoming a nonprofit and getting tax exemption status, mm -hmm. real pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Unless you're a church. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we're good in the le in the legal department, but for everything else, yeah, we're totally open to, to to chatting with people. Yeah, and you know, once you have a chapter, it's it's not that complicated. It's not like a ton of work or anything like that. You know, 
just get out there and bird really and we want we want more people out there we want people doing what they're interested in and exploring their interests and having fun definitely co-signed awesome nice well we have one last question it's it's the question everybody gets asked um and now i we have two two folks to answer it so i'm pretty stoked um what's your uh what's your take on the ivory build woodpecker is the question whether it's still here or not or it could be (laughs) i'm opening this one up at this point because everybody has been like no do you think she's trying to find ways to keep this question relevant i think we should just be direct do you want and it to say, exist? Do you still think that the, or do you think that the ivory-billed woodpecker still exists out in the wild? Uh, what do we think? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> this is a funny question for me because I have this one friend whose ah. first interaction with me was, "Hey, you know about the ivory-billed woodpecker?" <laughs> <laughs> and that is how our friendship started. Oh man. Uh, and he he thinks he says oh it's got to be out there gotta be out there i have a friend who's an ivory bill woodpecker truther yeah nice Um, (laughs) it's great um i don't know i kind of want to it's hard for me to answer it's kind of like somebody asked somebody asked me like what about your gender it's like i don't know it's lost in the fucking hills of cuba actually Everyone Woodpecker is my gender. That's my answer. I like that answer. I love no, that. You know, I can't. Well, I have room in my canoe. <laughs> Carla? I would just say, from a biologist's perspective, <laughs> I just, I have to say no. It's such yeah. a big bird. I just, but I don't know. I guess its habitat is pretty, pretty expansive and remote. But I'm going to go with no. Okay. We're gonna. That's fair. I th- I feel like. I mean, in my heart, I know that it's a probable. Like the probabilities are pretty low. Like there's, it's probably dead and gone and buried and whatnot. But I just, I want to take a canoe trip, and I have, I have room for the truthers. If the truthers want. <laughs> this to get is in this the is canoe, the real so. question. Would you get in a canoe with Sean in the bayou? My friend. And the answer to is absolutely. is also no. <laughs> Your friend absolutely would. I'm gonna say that he would. Yeah, yeah. Can you hook? Can you hook your friend up with Sean, please? Yeah, yeah. I'll, put, I'll put you in touch. <laughs> Let's do this. Get these two in a canoe. <laughs> I would love that. Um, and then like Sean's beard would get even more gnarly. Oh, there's room for swamp oh, water. Is beard. there such a thing <laughs> as a swamp tick? Do those swamp exist? Tick. I think they're gonna evolve in Sean's beard. Ugh. I'll, if they do, I'll get bit. They're swimming around with that killer yeah. wasp. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and schooling us, <laughs> as it were. Um, I'm so fucking stoked to have you on. This is so so awesome. This was a an eye opener. Um, I hope that people are listening and 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 take some take something away from um, from this. Join a chapter. Go on a Buy fucking a patch. walk. Buy a patch. Smash. Yeah, yeah. please. I can't please. wait for this patch. Yeah. Hug a bird. Buy patches. And uh I'm gonna I'm gonna when it's all over, I'm coming for a hug and a walk. So to Boston and New York. So 
Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And we'll definitely, I am looking forward to coming up to Connecticut and other points beyond uh, to work with you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for having fuck us. Fuck yeah. Let's do I'm it. sorry I didn't say fuck more. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> there's there's still time. <laughs> that was, that was my final minutes. fuck. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh. Yeah, thank you. You guys were fucking great. <laughs>